Now, this is going to be an interesting chapter, Mark Dunnigan. Yeah, First Thessalonians four thirteen through 18, we're dealing with the second coming. Anything that pertains to the afterlife is fascinating because we know so little about it. But we're going to get some clues today about what is to come. So, Mark, what are you looking forward to on a personal level when you think about being in the next life? Being able to sing really well. <laughs> really? Is that what, one thing that comes to mind? That's one thing. There are passages that talk about we will serve him, that there is meaningful, useful service, and also, of course, that you're with your creator, and there's no more sin. Yes. I think about how beautiful this creation is, and I'm excited to see what this is just a small taste of. You know, what are the colors? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. What does that mean? Like in its realization. So that will be fascinating. And I agree. Yeah, there must be projects of some kind. Well, I think you make a good point. That is, we've been to places, Zion, Grand Canyon, Yosemite, Arches, beautiful places. Uh, Emerald Coast, Emerald Coast and Destin. But heaven heaven (laughs) is uh, far beyond. And it's hard to comprehend like, Well, how can something be even more beautiful than what we're looking at? Yes, and especially the light of God. I think about just basking in the warmth of his comfort, knowing that there's no more temptation, no more sin, you know, no challenges in that regard, that we are in the very presence of God. And I like what C.S. Lewis says about how in all of our desiring What we're really desiring most of all, deep, deep, deep down, is God himself. And we look for God in all the wrong places. But yes, to be in the presence of God, to have him smile upon my life, I live for that. Yeah, that's a good point you make. I mean, there are people that are truly evil. Many people are ignorant and misguided, and they're trying to find something to fulfill them, to fill them up. They're trying to find some elusive happiness. Mm -hmm. And instead of looking to God, which is the fountain of living waters, Mm -hmm. they go out to some little broken cistern that can't hold any water, Jeremiah 2, 13. But it's the same broken cistern that their neighbors run into, previous generations have run to. And that's the sad thing. It just seems like the human race can't get it through its thick head that sexual recklessness, drugs, laziness, gambling, etc., alcohol, they're not going to make you happy. But those are the broken cisterns that people have been going to for thousands of years and being miserable in the process. And I guess maybe that's one reason I became a Christian. I looked at that and said, well, that's never made anybody else happy. So why should I follow that dead end? Mark, I love this quote that fits in here from C.S. Lewis. It says, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get near the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not a sort of prize which God could, if he chose, hand out to anyone. For they are a great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you are not, you will remain dry. Once a man is united to God, how could he not live forever? Once a man is separated from God, what can he do but wither and die? Mm, That's a good point. We see a lot of people withering and dying. 
Yes, because they are distancing themselves from life itself. So, Marky Marks, have we yeah. read verses 13 through, through 18? 18 no, nope. let's jump in there and Thank then let's you. talk about the text. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as indeed the rest of mankind who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, so also God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Well, I love how Paul says, I don't want you guys to be ignorant. I want you to be informed. Well, and the world has always and will always claim to be the source of knowledge for anyone wanting to be informed. But the track record of pain and chaos that human philosophy results in compared to the peace and prosperity that genuine Christianity results in on both a personal and societal level speaks for itself. If you want to be informed, go to God for sure. And it's interesting here that we're dealing with a topic that I think a number of people in the religious world would consider, oh, the second coming, man, there's all sorts of different. It's interesting. The Holy Spirit doesn't view it as a complicated topic. Mm -hmm. He views it as within the understanding of just the average believer. It's not like, well, only the elite can understand Mm -hmm. this. There's no secret code to discover. There's nothing written between the lines. Yeah. And so it's interesting how simple this is compared to all the different theories out there Uh that you will hear in the denominational world that surround the second coming. Well, and... To state the obvious, only by inspiration could one inform others about the afterlife. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's only way to one way to become an expert on this topic, and that is to be inspired by God. Concerning them that fall asleep, and that is Christians who have died. Mm-hmm. And death here is spoken as a sleep, not because the dead are unconscious, because when you're sleeping, you're not ceased to exist, uh-huh. but because it's a period of rest for the believer. So, you know how God puts within even the reproductive cycle of seeds and everything, how there's so many spiritual lessons, left and right, marriage, agriculture, just like everything seems to, there's like a little parable in it. I mean, it's to me, it's kind of amazing that every night we go to sleep because... (laughs) It's weird if you think about it. You're like, you know, if you're an alien coming here and you're seeing people go to sleep, it's kind of a weird phenomena. But every night it's like a reminder. That's true. It is <laughs> It is kind of a reminder of our death and resurrection. Yeah, like every day is kind of a symbol of your life. You know, you, you start with all this energy like you do when you're a baby. And boy, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. yeah, before you go to sleep. I mean, so I can see how very much sleep is a symbol of something spiritual it's interesting what seems to be behind this is that since paul had been in thessalonica some of the people that had been converted there had died and the question it looks like the thessalonians have is are they going to miss out on the second coming Mm, mm -hmm. and so he says believers that have fallen asleep 
believers who have died. Do not sorrow for them, and but that's qualified. He's not forbidding sorrow, uh-huh. but he's forbidding what you might say a hopeless type of sorrow. A Christian who dies, you don't sorrow over them the same way that people in the world sorrow who have no hope. Yes. And that view death as a point of no return and we'll never see them again. And, you know, that's the end of us. You know, this hopeless grief like the atheists would have mm-hmm. and which too many people have like, well, I have no idea what's out there. And this that's just the end. It's the end of me or it's the end of them. And Paul says, no, don't sorrow like that. A couple points here, though, that people outside of Jesus have no hope. There's one thing that really is clear out of this. That is, there's not all these different paths to God. If you're not in Jesus, you don't have any hope. If you die outside of Jesus, you don't have any hope. Mm -hmm. If you die in Jesus, you have hope. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58, that kind of goes into some detail of what you're saying. There it says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, quote, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Unquote, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. So I think those details kind of help us understand the next verse where it says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. What are your thoughts? Well, it's the central message, the foundational, fundamental Mm -hmm. stone of Christianity is Jesus died and rose again. Yep. I mean, that's it. That's the early part of 1 Corinthians 15. And the whole chapter there is that, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. He's put in the tomb. On the third day, he's raised. And your body's not going to be abandoned either. So his resurrection is the proof and promise of our Mm -hmm. resurrection. And that would be 1 Corinthians 15, 23, and the verses that you read as well. Mm -hmm. And the resurrection of Jesus is really not that hard to prove. There were credible witnesses. Uh, who gained very little materially from preaching that message. He definitely did die upon the cross. The disciples did not see a vision because they thought they were hallucinating, and then he ate in front of them. And if it had just been some sort of vision, the body would still be in the tomb. The Jewish and Roman authorities had every incentive to keep that body in the tomb. But everyone, Mm -hmm. foe and friend, everyone admits on the first day of the week, that tomb was empty. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just as Jesus died and was buried and was raised, the Christian dead will be raised. And 
they will be resurrected. And so them that have fallen asleep in Jesus are deceased Christians. Yeah. And they've fallen asleep in a right relationship. In Jesus. With, yep. And we're told we are baptized into Christ. If you want to be in Jesus so that you will rise again on the last day to be with him eternally in paradise, be baptized into Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. Thank you, my walking concordance. And then it says God will bring with him. And so Paul is saying these believers who have died, they're not going to miss out. They're going to be there on that final day. Mm-hmm. And so they, they haven't missed anything. Then it says in verse 15, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that is, we're speaking by inspiration. This is God's word. Mm-hmm. Who alone can know what's going to happen. That we that are alive, that is, Christians that are on the earth, and so there will be Christians on the mm-hmm. earth when Jesus shows up, that are left unto the coming of the Lord, shall in no wise precede them that have fallen asleep. And I think Mm. the thought there is that we're not going to get a head start on them. So it kind of tells the order with which we appear before the Lord. Yeah, or maybe it's the order of being resurrected or changed because the Christians who have died, their bodies will be resurrected, and then the Christians who are still on the earth, their bodies will be transformed Mm -hmm. because they haven't died yet. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Mark, uh, super side note, but a lot of people kind of get hung up on like, oh, I better make sure that I don't make it too hard on God to put my body back together. Well, everyone's body, no matter how careful you are in its preservation, if you <laughs> yeah. pump it full of chemicals at the end, it still decays and becomes dust. It is. So if you die at sea, if you are cremated, if you are torn apart by wild animals, mm-hmm. I mean, all the scenarios, none of this is a challenge to God. So, um, yeah, we just talked about in the last podcast, mind your own business. Mm -hmm. What happens to your body after you die is none of your business and also none of your concern because God can handle it. Yes, no problem. Super side note. If God (laughs) can create the universe out of nothing, then God can put all the bodies back together. (laughs) All right. So it's it's not a flesh and blood body. It's a spiritual body, yes? Yep. It's an actual body, but that's right. It's not made out of physical stuff. Mm -hmm. Correct. All right, so verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. The Lord himself, I like that. He's not sending some sort of representative. Mm. He himself, the Mm -hmm. creator, is showing up. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's descending from heaven. When he left this earth in Acts 111, the angels that stood by said, Hey, he's coming coming back in like manner. Mm. And then it says, With a shout. So untrue, then, is the man-made teachings that upon the Lord's return, a silent, secret rapture where suddenly people are snatched away. This false doctrine is this false doctrine is a misunderstanding of Matthew 24 when people were suddenly gone because they were told to flee Jerusalem to be saved from the violence of the Roman armies. So don't be thrown off by that because it's not going to be like where did they go? It used to be bumper stickers too. We don't see those as much anymore that would say yeah, like Look this out. car in case of rapture this car will be unmanned. To clarify what you said there, okay. you make a good point. The false doctrine of the rapture Amazingly enough, they think this verse is teaching it, is that Jesus is going to show up secretly. No one's going to see him. And all of a sudden, all the Christians are going to be secretly removed from the earth. 
and you can mm-hmm. wake up and they're all gone. I mean, mm-hmm. cars are going to go out of control on the freeway, and I guess airplanes. Airplanes too. might crash that had a Christian had Christian pilot and co-pilot or whatever, but there will be a college class and the two Christians in the class aren't there; they're just gone. And then I think it's like seven years go by, and then that's a period of tremendous tribulation, almost like World War Three, and then Jesus shows up. And you go like, well, wait a minute. That scenario doesn't fit this at all. Okay. Because number one, there's nothing silent about this coming. <laughs> it's he he shows up himself. It's the voice. I don't of the know what the voice of an archangel it's a sounds like, of Mark. God, and it's a shout. Okay. Okay. And and um. And not, every eye will see him, right? Correct in the book of Revelation. But then a little bit later in chapter five, which is still the same topic, chapter five, one through three. It says that at the same time that the Christians are being resurrected and changed and caught up to be with the Lord in the air, at the same time, sudden destruction comes upon the wicked. And so it's not like, okay, it's not like there's multiple comings of Jesus. Mm -hmm. There's only one here. And at the same time that Jesus comes for his people, sudden destruction comes upon unbelievers. And not only that, but... Chapter 5 makes it very clear that there's no way to predict this. Mm-hmm. The, the trouble with the false idea of the rapture is that if it's true, once it happens, everyone will know we got seven years. Oh, right. The coming in this section that in, includes both Christians and non-Christians is something that we don't have even information on the general time period, mm-hmm. much less the day. Mm-hmm. Well, didn't Jesus also say the day and the hour no one knows, only Correct. the Father? Like mm-hmm. Jesus, even when he was on earth, did not know the timing of the Lord's return. So this is very visible. This is very loud. Yes. So the... Voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. You know, a lot of um, denominations have this idea that Jesus comes back and he rules on the earth for a thousand years. But when you look at this section, nothing really talks about him ruling on the earth or even or, setting a foot again on the earth yes absolutely and so we're it's meeting rather, him in the air yeah it's rather he comes we're caught up in the air and we're always with the lord sudden destruction comes upon the wicked and then if you wanted to put second peter chapter 3 about verses 9 through 11 same context the day of the lord the universe is destroyed mm. on the same day that is there's mm-hmm. there's no earth left to rule on for a thousand years. The earth fled away and it was no more? Yes, or in Second Peter chapter 3, Revelation talks about it, it is no more. Second Peter chapter 3 says the earth and its works will be burned up. The other thing that kind of doesn't make sense about that denominational theology is that Jesus himself said that his kingdom was not of this world, never was, nor will ever be a part of this world. John eighteen thirty six. It's interesting when you look also at a couple other verses in John chapter 5, 28 and 29, the resurrection of believers and unbelievers are resurrected too, but they've got a body now fitted for hell. 
That happens at the exact same time, mm. at the exact same hour.、Mm-hmm. And then Jesus talked about the person that believes in him will be raised up on the last day. Oh, good point. And so the resurrection of Christians is the last day. There、good、are no、point. days beyond that. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is clearly the resurrection of Christians. And Do you know that verse off the top of your head? That would be John chapter 6, verse 44. I knew, you, I knew you'd do that. All right. And so I love how this、uh, next phrase says, And so we shall always be with the Lord. That's very important. Yeah, because that's what, that's what it's always about. That's what makes heaven heaven. Yeah. To be with the Lord. Where all is peace and joy and love and the soul never dies. Mm hmm. Therefore, comfort one another with these words, he says. First of all, the responsibility there is mutual,、mm, one another.、Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the job of, like, well, we got Christians that need to be comforted, then we got the Christians that need to do it, and those categories never change. That, no. It's rather, everyone's, everyone's supposed to do this. All of us are supposed to build up one another. And so there's a number of thoughts here. What's comforting about this? Well, death is not the end. And that we're not even going to leave our bodies behind. Our bodies are going to be resurrected.、Mm-hmm. And that all wrongs will be righted. And that Jesus is going to take care of everything. And that we have a glorious future with the Lord. And that if we die in a relationship with Jesus, it's like we lose nothing.、Mm-hmm. And nothing can ever break that bond. It's like if you miss heaven, you miss all there is. Because compared to this life, is like, a, like I've said it before, a little grain of sand compared to all eternity with God. So I guess I'd like to,、um, unless you have anything else that you wanted to add, I'd like to just end with a verse.、Um, remember all of this of we shall always be with the Lord being the goal、mm-hmm. uh, when it says that the dead in Christ. So that's how you, when you are. No longer alive, you want to die in Christ. So, I'm going to end with a verse for the listeners、um, that want to be in Christ so that they can be ready at any moment, you know, because we never know when our time comes to die. So, it says、um, in Romans 6 4 through 7, I want to read this because the spiritual fresh start that God gave us at the time of our spiritual rebirth at our baptism, He will do it again when Christ returns. It says, quote, We have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away. So that we would no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. So, this verse really speaks to turning our life over to God. And just as Christ was crucified, we crucify our flesh. That is, we deny our flesh, we put to death. Sin in our life. So when we're buried in the waters of baptism, then we're raised up with Christ, symbolic of his resurrection from the death. And then just as Christ, when he was raised from the dead, he went to go and live with the Father and he ascended there. So we too, we walk in newness of life. And when Christ returns, then we are ready to be reunited with the Father. Any other verses, Mark, you'd like to bring out before we、uh, close? Galatians 3 26 and 27. You're all sons 
and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all of you who are baptized in the Christ, not faith and baptism, Mark 16, 16, mm-hmm. have clothed yourselves with Christ. And so if you want a personal relationship with Jesus, you can't get any more personal than being baptized into Christ and clothing yourselves with Christ. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Mark 16. 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. All right. So feel free to contact us if you need somebody to meet you, to baptize you into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can prepare to meet the Lord and be with him always in the next life. Thank you, Mark, for burning the midnight oil tonight, keeping Mark up late yep. tonight. Poor Marky Marks, it's coming up on 9 p.m. So Watch out, I'm going to turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> All right, thank you for joining us for this important conversation on Nomads, you and I.